Today on Blue 58, the Green Bay Packers are bringing back their linebacker group, more or less unchanged from last year. On paper, that seems like a pretty good idea, but it hinges on one very important thing, growth. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. Before we dive into linebacker discussion, I want to remind you that we are collecting your tips on what someone should do when they visit Lambeau Field for the first time, and I want you to do this in a very specific way. Send me a voicemail via the SpeakPipe app. You can access this in the notes for this show or just by looking at the description of this show uh, on your phone or whatever you use to listen to this. It's really easy to use. You just click a button and you can start talking and send a message to the show that way. We'd like to compile a bunch of those and put them into a short little, well, compilation and uh, help somebody out who's heading to Lambeau Field for the first time. Fun thing to do, and I think it's a great way for us to work together on something as a community. So the Packers linebackers. Like we said in the opening, the Packers are bringing back their linebacker group essentially unchanged from last year. They've added in one undrafted free agent, but basically we're starting this year exactly where we were last year. It's a pretty striated group. You've got your highly paid or highly pedigreed players at the top, a couple of uh, not quite journeyman guys in the middle, but guys that have defined roles on the Packers roster, and then a couple of low-end prospects that probably aren't going to do a whole lot this year, but have interesting things that they can offer uh, in their own right and maybe worth developing down the road or just may end up contributing uh, given where they are in their careers right now. They've got a good mix of experience too. You've got guys that are at every at every level really too. Uh, that that experience stands out. Devondre Campbell at the top end of the roster uh, has a long has had a long NFL career already. Those middle tier players like Isaiah McDuffie, he's been he's entering his third year already. Whatever he is, he's been doing it for a while now. And then your young guys, Quay Walker, he still turned twenty three, but he's already or he just turned twenty three in May. But he's already got a season of NFL football under his belt. He kind of fits the overall thrust of the position. Athletic, fairly versatile, and hopefully looking at where the linebacker room is right now, set up for growth in 2023. Because that's really what this room comes down to. Not to give away too much of what we want to talk about with these guys individually, but Guys either are looking for bounce back years or growth from where they ended up in 2020 year, 2022. Last year was not the year that Devondre Campbell wanted to have. That's not the year that the Packers wanted for him when they signed him to the big contract extension uh, prior to last season. I think everybody's on the same page there. He didn't feel good about the year. The Packers surely didn't feel good about what they, they paid him in return for what they got. It just wasn't a great year. Quay Walker comes in as a first-round pick. He does not really have the year start to finish that the Packers probably were hoping for from him, though there were some bright spots in there. And on and on and on it goes. The guys that are further down the roster just looking to continue doing what they're doing in a bigger way than they did last year. And that kind of puts the Packers linebackers in kind of a different position than a lot of the rest of the roster. This position has gone through its big upheaval, its big changes. Devondre Campbell arrives in 2021. Quay Walker comes along a year later. 
you're coming into 2023, this room should be basically set. And, you know, even Isaiah McDuffie, the presumed number three linebacker right now, has been around for quite a while as well, coming in the same year, in fact, as Devondre Campbell, heading into his third year with the Packers now. So unlike a lot of other position groups, there's not a lot of change happening here. Relative to the wide receiver room, they are chock full of veterans. They're not turning over things or or going through changes like the safety group. They're not counting on real big contributions from young guys like the edge rushers. They know what they have, unlike the defensive linemen. Linebacker is, for whatever it's worth, pretty settled. And that question of what it's worth in 2023 is an open one. And I don't really have an answer for you. We've talked about that, pulled on that thread a couple times over the past couple of years since Devondre Campbell arrived. It's probably better to have an elite linebacker than not have one, but how much does it really elevate your defense? We don't really know. It sure helped the Packers in 2021 to have Devondre Campbell, but I don't think Devondre Campbell's regression in 2022 was the big problem with the Packers' defense seems like there was more schematic problems and defensive line issues than anything else. So I I don't know. What does it get you to have a really good linebacker room? I don't know. But if the Packers grow or if the Packers linebackers grow like the Packers hope they can, they might end up having a pretty good linebacker room for whatever that gets you. So what does that get you? And what do the Packers have in their room? We'll talk about that here in a second, but first I want to shout out Patreon supporters Davis, Eric Stats, and Casey Hooker. Each of you have been a Patreon supporter for a while now, and I appreciate your ongoing contributions to the Power Sweeps uh, Patreon effort. And that is the, the number one and most helpful way to support uh, the Power Sweep and Blue 58. If you want to do so financially, head to patreon.com slash thepowersweep. You help us keep doing what we're doing. You give us access to the resources that we need to do this, and in return, We invite you to be part of our Discord community and give you a little bit of extra bonus content via Patreon as well. We are currently in the midst of a series, which will be launching the day that this uh, goes live, about what we would do, what I would do if we bought an NFL team. Say this podcasting thing really blows up and we get a chance to swoop in and, you know, steal this Washington Commanders sale at the 11th hour. How would we go about Uh, handling taking over an NFL team. It's a fun little thought experiment, and I'm excited to work through it over the next couple weeks. But that's some of the bonus content coming your way at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. And, of course, the Discord server, a great place to hang out and talk to Packers fans from all over the world. So consider that if you're interested. If you're not, that's okay, too. So linebackers, continuing our exercise here, talking through each position group in terms of guys for whom we have low expectations and even some no expectations guys, moderate expectations, and then of course the high expectations groups as well. Our no expectations list at linebacker is exactly one name long. We welcome in Jimmy Phillips Jr., played at Southern Methodist University, not a small player per se, but on the smaller side for a linebacker, 6'1", 232 pounds. He was Dane Brugler's number 37 linebacker in the Beast this spring. For whatever that gets you, number 37 is not like highly touted prospect, but not terrible either. At least he made it onto the list. He played 59 career games at SMU. Kind of reminds me of a new version of Chris Barn, a longtime player, guy who was just always there. Availability is an asset, and he's probably hoping to carry that into his NFL career as well. 
Skipping right ahead then to our low expectations player, we start with Eric Wilson, who is heading into his seventh NFL season, which doesn't seem right just looking at what he did for the Packers last year, was a low-end special teams guy. He's been around for a while, and he's actually only played 13 fewer games in his career than Devondre Campbell. Production-wise, he's pretty close to Campbell in at least one area, only has one half sack less than Campbell does for his career. Nine and a half career sacks for Devondre Campbell and nine for Wilson, who actually played quite a few snaps for the Minnesota Vikings early in his career. As far as his Packers tenure go, he had appeared in 13 games for the Packers last year, played 197 snaps on special teams and 35 on defense. He ends up in this tier despite a, I don't want to say like a well-decorated NFL career, more than a cup of coffee. He ends up in the low expectations tier, though, because he's essentially the poor man's Isaiah McDuffie. And when you're the poor man's version of a guy who's already on the roster, you're going to end up facing some pretty low expectations coming into whatever NFL year of your NFL career you are. So I think he meets expectations just by making the 53-man roster and doing what he did last year. Be a special teams regular, fill in on on defense when you are absolutely desperately needed. And 35 snaps is basically scraping the bottom of the barrel when you get to that point. I would predict he probably doesn't make the initial 53-man roster given the rest of the numbers the Packers have at linebacker. It's probably going to be pretty close between him and Tariq Carpenter, who we'll talk about next. But whether he makes the 53 or not, I don't think he's done in Green Bay. I think he's going to end end up being around in some capacity this year. And I think There is going to be a bit of a shift on special teams this year, and I'm not sure when we're going to talk about special teams in in terms of the overall approach for this year. Maybe we'll try to work that in sooner than later, just because I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time talking about expectations for specialists and things like that, mostly because other than Pat O'Donnell, we really don't know know, what these guys can do. In any case, uh, I don't really know when we should pull on that thread, but I kind of have a feeling that the Packers are going to be more linebacker heavy on special teams than they were last year. Just looking at the safety depth chart, just a feeling, call it a feeling. I think the Packers are going to want some bigger bodies on special teams this year, which probably bodes well for uh, for Eric Wilson and probably for Tariq Carpenter, who made the roster as a safety last year playing special teams. He'll probably do it as a linebacker this year. Speaking of Tariq Carpenter, Let's move on to the moderate expectations tier. Carpenter comes into year two in the NFL at something of a career crossroads, which is kind of a strange place to be in your second year in the NFL. He's making the switch to linebacker, which makes sense. He did some things along those lines in college, spent a lot of time down in the box as a safety, kind of following the Oren Burks path. A year later or so than Burks did, actually two years if you look at Burks' career development path. He made the switch to linebacker when he was already in college, then ended up playing linebacker in the NFL, a primarily special teams guy, but, you know, light, sleek, fast, kind of that hybrid body type between safety and linebacker, and that is Tariq Carpenter. He's pretty heavy for a safety at around 230 pounds, but he's fairly tall for a linebacker at about 6'3". So he, you kind of see the archetype here. He's an athletic guy, probably going to be primarily a special teamer no matter what position he ends up playing just because that's what you do with guys that are about his height and weight and overall athletic ability. The kind of funny thing for Carpenter switching from safety to linebacker is 
that he really didn't even do the hybrid linebacker stuff when he did appear on defense last year. And this is, we're if you're trying to draw any conclusions from this, this is way too small of a sample size. He only played 16 snaps on defense last year. But I pointed out, just because it's funny, that of the 16 snaps he played on defense, 13 were at free safety, a true deep safety look for Carpenter. Only one of his 16 snaps was in the box. He wasn't doing the hybrid safety linebacker thing. And the rare occasions that he did appear on the field last year, he was just playing straight up old school safety. Looking back to his time in college, though, he did do some stuff down by the line of scrimmage. His last year at Georgia Tech, he played 263 snaps in the box, more than two times as many as at as any other spot. He did do some outside corner stuff, as a matter of fact, at least according to Pro Football Focus's charting numbers, was playing on the outside. So an athletic, versatile player, the Packers are going through the process of trying to find a fit for him in the NFL, though. I put him in the moderate expectations tier because I feel like the Packers see something in him. Or maybe they're hoping that they see something in him. We've been going to a lot of garage sales lately. Summer, it's what you do. It's a good way to get the kids out of the house. We go around, you know, hit up the garage sales in the neighborhood. And every second or third garage sale, either me or my wife ends up bringing something home that we don't really need. But it's got that really promising attribute. Potential. We're not really sure what it is right now, but it could be something. We could put this on the mantle in the family room. could be some decoration. Or maybe if we clean it up a little bit, it would fit some sort of role in the garage. We're not really sure. We think we'd like to have it. We're not really sure what it is yet, though. It kind of feels like that's where Tariq Carpenter is with the Packers right now. They didn't spend a lot of draft capital on him, a day three pick. There's some intriguing attributes there. Certainly a good athlete, has some good size. What is he, though? How are we going to use him? It's not really clear. We're going to try to find a role for him, and sometimes that works out. But sometimes you end up being like, say, Quentin Rollins a couple years ago, who the Packers tried to fit into a couple of different roles. Is he an outside corner? Is he an inside corner? Is he a safety? Try him at a few different things. Ultimately, you just end up shipping him out of Green Bay because you can't figure out a way to use him. What career path will Carpenter end up following? For now, I think he seems to be in line to be this year's Eric Wilson. I think the Packers would probably like for him to beat Wilson out. He'll be cheaper and, more importantly, under team control for longer than Wilson. He's younger, probably still has more athletic upside than Wilson does. They would probably like to see their roles reversed from last year get Carpenter more to that 200-some special team snaps kind of threshold, at least that many, I guess, and then, you know, send Wilson along his way. I think Carpenter does make the 53. I think he does expand his role from last year. My prediction would be that he makes the 53 and that he ends up playing more snaps on defense and on special teams than last year. So I think the Packers help him grow his role in Green Bay this year. Which leads us to Isaiah McDuffie, who we mentioned a little bit in our intro to the linebacker segment. Heading into year three in Green Bay, he's already kind of walking the path that Tariq Carpenter probably hopes to walk over the next couple of years. He's heading into year three after two years of what I think we could call progressive growth. Year one, 
No snaps on defense, 192 on special teams. Year two, 174 snaps on defense, another 263 on special th- uh, special teams. Year three, what's next? That is the question. I don't know if we have a clear answer yet. However, I think there is an opportunity in front of him because we know a couple of things about Isaiah McDuffie and the Packers linebacker room right now. First thing is clear. He is not going to be one of the big dogs in the linebacker room. He is not going to take snaps from Devondre Campbell. He is not going to take snaps away from Quay Walker. That's not going to happen. But it's also true that the Packers are going to need a third linebacker at some point. And of the non-Campbell, non-Walker guys on the roster, it might as well be him. He is the most NFL-ready linebacker of the remaining existing linebackers. You've got McDuffie. You've got Tariq Carpenter, who's just making the switch to linebacker now. You've got Eric Wilson, who's been a journeyman for more than half a decade now. And then you've got undrafted free agent Jimmy Phillips. And unless I'm forgetting somebody or miss somebody on the Packers roster, that's it. So if the Packers need a third linebacker, it's probably Isaiah McDuffie at this point. So what does he need to do to fill that third linebacker role? He kind of embodies that key word that we've talked about with linebackers in this episode, growth. He played more in year two than in year one. And in year three, he's got to look to build on year two because he played more last year. But I think it's fair to say he didn't necessarily play overly well. He had some good graded games, some not so good graded games. He consistently graded well as a tackler, according to Pro Football Focus at least, was not missing tackles all that often. So when he did get to where he was supposed to be, there wasn't a problem. It was just the process of getting there that was. Sometimes you'd see him grade out really well against the run or in coverage, sometimes not so well. And I think that is pretty much how it goes for young linebackers. It seems like you come in with either an an intuitive understanding about how to play linebacker at this level of football, or it takes you a little bit of time. It takes you a while to figure it out, and you've got to find some other ways to make yourself useful in the meantime. McDuffie has at least gotten that part right. He's carved out a role for himself on special teams. He is making himself useful to the Packers while he figures out how to be an NFL-caliber linebacker. Now he's got the opportunity in front of him. To use a phrase that we've used a number of times, for a bunch of different guys on this roster so far through this preview process, everything's in front of them. Campbell and Walker have spots one and two wrapped up in whatever order you want to put them out there. Who's that third linebacker? There's a guy who's going to soak up a couple hundred snaps on defense. Who's it going to be? It might as well be you, Isaiah McDuffie. Can you seize that opportunity? I think he does end up locking down that third linebacker spot. I think he's the odds-on favorite, and my prediction for McDuffie would be that he ends up playing the third most snaps on defense among the linebacker players. He's going to be the Packers' third linebacker this year. Is he going to be any good at it? The easy answer is probably not, but how many great third linebackers are there in the league? Chris Barnes is probably going to be about as good as it got last year. A solid, reliable guy who fits kind of the definition of what we talked about with Blake Martinez for a long time. He doesn't necessarily take anything off the table for you, but he doesn't really bring a whole lot to the table either. His best asset is availability. 
not necessarily screwing things up for you, but not necessarily elevating your defense either. And really, for your third linebacker, what more do you really want? So our high expectations group, this is where it gets to the big investments. And we start with Quay Walker. I think you could make a case that there are higher expectations on him than Devondre Campbell heading into year two here. Because I think that Walker, if he plays to his potential, should be a much better player than Devondre Campbell. And that's saying quite a bit because Campbell has been a very, very good player in this league at times. However, Walker's athletic gifts are such that if he can get to the mental level of the game that Campbell is, he should easily surpass him in every other way. He's that good an athlete. He's that gifted. He has that that many skills and abilities that other guys just are not able to draw on. Just make a completely unfair comparison. Just think about what Quay Walker looks like on a football field. Think about how he moves and runs relative to other NFL athletes. There were times last year when he made veteran players, grown men, look like you know, sophomores in college, inexperienced or underdeveloped prospects that he just ragdolled with a hit. I don't recall many other players in recent Packers history who have hit as hard as Quay Walker does. And that's all just physical gifts. Compare that to a guy like Jimmy Phillips, who's on the bottom of the Packers linebacker depth chart, who's not small, but small for an NFL linebacker. He would kill to have the physical tool set that a guy like Quay Walker has. Walker has every everything you could ask for from a physical perspective. Can he harness it, though? That is the question. And in year one, we saw that process of trying to harness those gifts play out. I think it's fair to call it an up-and-down rookie year. Was he great? No. Was he bad? Sometimes. But was he terrible? Well, with the exception of a couple of incidents, which we'll talk about, I would say no, he wasn't terrible. Was he good? Well, sometimes. There was some legitimately good stuff. Put it that way. You saw the range. You saw the athleticism. You saw the power. To lean on a phrase I say a lot, you can see it with Quay Walker. You look at him. You read the scouting reports. And you go, oh oh yeah, I see what they're talking about here. I can see why people would get excited about what he could become on the football field. But there was some legitimately bad stuff, too. There was some guessing, which is a kiss of death as an NFL linebacker. I don't know how much you remember about Quay Walker, not Quay Walker, Kamal Martin from 2020, his one year with the Green Bay Packers. A physically gifted prospect, not to the degree that Quay Walker is, but a big physical linebacker out of Minnesota. A bad guesser. Bad in that he tried to guess in a lot of run fits and situations like that, but also just guessed wrong most of the time. And just picking on Kamal Martin here a little bit, but you could see even on broadcast tape, watching number 54 on the field for the Packers, a run play is unfolding. 
Martin is just going to go full speed ahead at where he thinks the ball is going to go. And whether or not it ends up there, that's too bad. I'm going to be here regardless of where the ball is going. And he's committed to going there. You can't guess like that in the NFL. And Martin very quickly ended up out of the NFL for that reason. And Walker had some things like that. He got suckered a few times. There were situations where opposing teams took advantage of his willingness to guess. And that's just something that you can't do. And then there's the truly awful stuff. And awful maybe is probably too strong a word for it, but two ejections is two ejections too many. If you wanted to, I'm certainly not going to. I think you could quibble with some of the ejection stuff. I think looking at what happened in Buffalo, somebody said something to uh, Quay Walker, and he reacted to something that someone said. That is pretty clear if you look at the sideline tape. He has never said what went on. He never said what led up to him shoving the guy that he shoved. But you can watch it play out. Somebody said something to to him, and he reacted to it. What was it? Nothing that justifies you know, shoving a guy for no reason. The, the ejection completely justified. But there was something going on there. It's a pretty bad look, though, for a rookie linebacker. And then the Lions one is completely indefensible. Now, some people, especially fans of opposing NFC North teams, have probably overdone it a little bit on the criticism of, of Quay Walker, too. It was a completely boneheaded reaction, but it's not like he stabbed a first responder who was coming out of a burning building carrying an armful of puppies. Just looking at some of the online discourse surrounding what Quay Walker did, you would think that situation was what had played out on national television. Like, Walker knocked this trainer to the ground and then stepped on his throat and then, you know, pulled out his screwdriver that he had tucked in his sock and, you know, went to town from there. You would have thought that's what we all watched. Instead, a kerfuffle, a dumb reaction by a guy who now has a history of dumb reactions in in high-pressure situations, which is bad, but I don't think you need to overdo it with the criticisms either. However, that is where Walker now comes into his second year here. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the indefensible stuff, that's a diverse range of things to come off your rookie season dealing with. And for all that, there's really no other place he could be other than the high expectations tier. How could he not be? Again, you just look at him and you look at where he was drafted and you look at the responsibilities the Packers have given him this year. Yeah, it's got to be high expectations. So how does he meet him? Let's turn back to that key word, growth. A lot like Jordan Love, there's going to be a mix of some vibe stuff and some real stuff here. Some vibe stuff, you just want to feel confident when Quay Walker is out there on the field. You want to feel like he is in control of what's going on, that he is in control of his responsibilities, that he knows what he is supposed to do when he's out there. And then you want to see him take some real steps in terms of productivity too. And I think he can. I don't think Devondre Campbell regresses again this year, but I think looking at the potential ascendancy for Quay Walker, I think there's real possibility, and I would even go so far as to predict it, that he is going to be the statistical leader among the Packers linebackers in a couple of different areas. For instance, I would predict that he leads the Packers in tackles in 2023. 
I think he's also going to surpass Devondre Campbell in snaps, just looking at his availability last year and where things tend to go as you head into your 30s. The odds are that Walker is probably going to play more snaps on defense uh, this year than, than Campbell. I predict also that he's going to get his first career interception. And also, I think he's going to increase his ball hawk total from last year. He had a surprising 11.5 last year, was making plays on the ball in coverage a lot. I think he ups it to at least 15 for this season. And that brings us to Devondre Campbell, the last and, well, really no other way to put this, most highly paid of the Packers linebacker. He is looking for a true bounce back here. From an injury perspective alone, it was a disappointment last year. He missed four games, the most in his career since his rookie season. He played 695 snaps last year, the fewest in any year since his rookie season. It was a down year from Devondre Campbell and certainly a down year from his 2021 All-Pro campaign. And again, we have to give credit to a member of our Discord server, regular in that space, QHM, uh, who all but predicted that the season would play out exactly this way for Devondre Campbell and was asking questions like from the minute Campbell signed that, well, re-signed in Green Bay. It was an extension. He, he just re-signed with the Packers. What happens if Devondre Campbell regresses because I'm afraid that he's going to regress? And all those fears came true. It was exactly not a worst-case scenario for Campbell, but pretty close to about as, as bad as you could have hoped for in the first year of a big money contract extension. And what does that extension look like right now, by the way? It was a five-year, $50 million contract extension signed in March of 2022. We are in year two of that contract right now. He will figure about $5.5 million against the Packers cap this year. Should the Packers decide to move on from him right now, according to SpotTrack.com, it would cost them just over $15 million in dead cap, so that's not going to happen The thing is, it's probably not going to happen next year either, because although his cap hit spikes to just over $14 million in 2024, it would cost the Packers just under $12 million in dead cap to release him. The cap savings are just not that good for moving on from Campbell next year. And if they did the post-June 1st thing, split the cap over the next two years, he'd still count $8 million in in dead cap in 2025. Now, maybe the contra- or maybe the salary cap really explodes here in the next couple of years, and that's not as, as big as a deal, big of a deal as you, you might have thought. But that's not, not ideal to be looking at dead cap figures for your former All-Pro linebacker in year two of his contract extension. So the expectations have to be high. He is in, again, year two of another of his, of his big contract. He needs to be a crucial player for the Packers. What does he need to do to get to that met expectations level? He's got to be one of the Packers' lead dogs on defense again. He was kind of just a guy in 2020-2022. He needs to get back to being one of the core players for the Packers this season. He needs to, I think, meet or exceed his 2021 production, which actually shouldn't be that big of a challenge. I think his his production, such as it was in 2021, was kind of overblown. If you look back to what he did in previous stops throughout the NFL, it wasn't that far out of line with what he'd done previously. I think the Packers' expectations at linebacker had just been worn down from years of kind of underwhelming play, that a guy who does make occasional plays is 
really a godsend. That's just kind of who Campbell has been throughout his NFL career, and he was really an unusually good tackle tackler that year as well. So kind of getting into those or getting back to that level of productivity really needs to be where he he ends up this year. And then he just needs to stay healthy. That's the probably the hardest one. Because normalizing for the amount of snaps that he played, he probably end up with a fairly similar level of production in 2022, but missing four games really hurt what he was able to contribute last year. And as I think we all understand with injuries, yeah, you missed four games, but it probably probably affected him for somewhere between you know six or seven games, six or eight games maybe. That's just how injuries tend to work. How long was he affected by the injury he dealt with last year? That's still unknown. So prediction-wise, I think he is not going to appear in all 17 games this year. I think the chances are, after missing a few games due to some nagging injuries last year, he uh, ends up missing some more time this year. Um, he will not appear in every every game this year. However, I still think he ends up improving over where he was last year. I think he reduces his missed tackle rate from last year. He'll be more in line with where he was in 2021. And I think he's probably going to end up being one of the Packers' defensive captains this year. Uh, maybe that's a soft prediction too. I don't think I included him in my initial list of, of predictions for for possible captains, but I think he's got to be on that list for the Packers this year. I'll, I'll just say it right now. I think he probably deserves to be a Packers captain this year. So there's my predictions for Devondre Campbell. Probably a bounce back year, maybe not as much of a bounce back as the Packers really would hope for, as the Packers defense really needs, but maybe with Quay Walker taking a few steps forward, that helps the Packers get to where they need to be as a whole. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.